Welcome to episode 36 of Speak Better. I'm Rebecca Lindquist, also known as Lindquist the Linguist, and this podcast is about improving your speech. Whether you're a native or non-native speaker of American English, there are things we can all do to improve how we sound. Up to this point, we've discussed a wide variety of topics, and on occasion I've mentioned something and said, hey, we'll get back to that and do a deep dive later. Well, now's that opportunity, at least on one topic, and I plan to do that with most of the topics that I mentioned digging into deeper. One of them is the concept of throaty articulation. What did I mean by that? Well, first of all, we talk about awareness. So you have to be aware of how you sound. So what is throaty to one person may not be to another. So again, this is contingent on the feedback that people tell you your voice sounds perhaps intimidating or aggressive or just too deep. Now, one thing to be aware of is that women and men have different tendencies. And I would say that far more men sound throaty than women. However, some women could sound throaty, and I'll show you all sound throaty here. This is how I would sound a little bit throaty. And for a lot of people, it sounds too male. So it's, again, just a judgment call if you try to drive your voice low, which some women do. Some women want to have a more authoritative voice. And instead of doing what we talked about, which is going down to be decisive in your intonation, some women will attempt to get a deep voice by sounding throaty. And my suggestion to you is that that's not particularly helpful. Sounding really deep like this, artificially deep, and from the throat. And when I say from the throat, because we all use our throats, I mean that the sounds are emanating or originating, resonating in the throat. Versus resonating in the back of the mouth, which is what I'm doing now. In American English, we prefer back of the mouth. So there are people who speak English but tend to sound a bit throaty. However, there are also a lot of non-native speakers who speak their first languages with a throaty articulation. I googled this just before I jumped into the episode today just to see what comes up when I typed in throaty sounds, throaty articulation, and they brought up guttural languages, probably because guttural languages have certain sounds that come from the throat. And particularly from back in the glottis, for example, there are these more guttural sounds. And they listed Arabic for sure, which I would say most male Arabic speakers sound throaty. Now, strangely, a lot of women don't. So there may also be just the personality piece and the cultural piece and all of that. But they list Greek, they list French and German and Spanish and many other languages. And I found it kind of interesting because some of the languages they mention, I don't notice people sounding throaty. So I'm not simply talking about languages that have a guttural sound, like this search would suggest. I'm also talking about people who make all sounds throaty. So again, when I talk like this, I'm making everything very low, resonating in my throat. And as we know, there are different places you can resonate. We resonate just inside our heads. That's why that bone resonance is something that we have to be aware of. I mentioned earlier that you sound different when you speak in your head than you do in a recording. And that's one reason to listen back to the recording. We also talked about resonance in general and how everyone has a resonant tone, just like an instrument. All instruments like a guitar or a flute or a piccolo or a piano, they all sound different. And the same is true with humans. 
Each one of us has a different resonant pitch, and we need to find that often by humming, hmm, speaking to my resonant pitch, and it helps us ground to a sound that is rich for us. Some people can go higher than others within that vocal range of pitches that they use and sound great. If you go outside that range, if I pitch too high or I pitch too low, that cannot sound natural. Obviously, that doesn't help my credibility when I sound fake or like I'm trying too hard or simply out of range. Now, the thing about sounding throaty is we have to think about where it comes from initially. And we talked about the throat. If it's your first language that is throaty, so for example, I've had Hebrew speakers, male Hebrew speakers tend to have a throaty articulation. Again, interestingly enough, a lot of women Hebrew first language speakers do not. And is that culture? Is it dialect? Is it choice? Is it personality? I don't know. I've talked to a Hindi voice coach who told me that some Hindi men have that articulation, that guttural a throaty sound all the time with everything they say and others do not and that it's a choice and it's considered manly macho it sounds good I can tell you that I had a male Israeli client who I was very successful in working on throatiness with mostly because he spoke English well and he continued to tell me as we were working on articulation and vowels and consonants and word stress that the biggest issue was people found his accent strong, and he kept using words that brought up the throatiness. So I thought in his case, and this is important, not in every case, but in his case, it might be useful to work on the throaty articulation because that might be what's giving him what people perceived as an accent that they weren't connecting with. The other piece, beyond just it sounds strong, some people may feel intimidated by it. You know, it's kind of like a mafioso accent, or it's a street thug accent, or there's this stereotyped image of somebody really gutsy and tough and strong and in a nasty way, like too strong, that's someone strong-arming you or someone manipulating you, someone being overly aggressive. And if that's what's happening, I think it depends on your first language. And we're going to go back to this Hebrew gentleman, but I did have a Russian client who had his tongue very low in the mouth. And when you ride the tongue low in the mouth, you tend to speak more from the throat which can give you somewhat of a throaty quality. But this true throat articulation that's not back of the mouth, but way deep and rich in the throat, I find very characteristic of typical male Arabic and Hebrew speakers in particular, and some Indian speakers, especially the males we spoke about, Punjabi males tend to also have a deeper, richer, throatier sound. Now, some people, when they speak English then, some men with these throaty articulation patterns don't bring it into their English and some do so you can control it but you have to learn to control it so what if you decide yes I'd like to learn to control it I don't want to sound like a mafioso what do I do well we talked about grounding I always start with grounding in the order because if you're not grounded it's really hard to create change without stressing your neck and without squeezing and compressing stuff So you press into the feet and you can revisit, I think I talked earlier in a posture video and in a breathing video about grounding, but you're pressing gently into the feet, whether you're standing or seated. It's just more challenging if you're seated, but I would encourage you to practice because we often are seated in meetings and you don't want to be the speaker who has to stand up to talk. You don't want that to be a requirement. No one wants to listen to you unless you're standing or you don't feel comfortable talking unless you stand up. You want to be able to speak from a seated position. 
So that's the reason that I often suggest to people, hey, practice seated. And then as you're pressing into your feet, as you're grounding when you're seated, you want to elongate your spine, allow your neck to be free, roll out your shoulders, all those things. And then just speak a bit and see if you can capture throaty articulation. So in other words, here I am talking, I notice I'm very throaty. I feel a vibration in my throat when I do that. There's a constant vibration, pretty loud, pretty strong. Like when you touch your cat's belly and he's purring, you know, there's a vibration there. Strange aside, talking about cats, just to mention, I took my cat recently to an outdoor event and there were quite a few dogs there. Now the cat was safe. We were all separate and it was just an event where everyone could bring their pets. What's interesting about it, though, is my cat, when he was a little bit nervous, I took him out of his, he was in like a stroller cage thing, and I took him out of it, and when he was around the dogs, he began to vibrate in a different way. It must have been more of like a fear-type vibration, the fight-flight response-type vibration in the back of the neck. If you squeeze your neck and ah, you shake a little, the cat had a very different vibration pattern than when he's just purring or when he's happy. And I found it interesting that animals can have various different vibration patterns. I believe humans can have this too when we're talking about voice. The voice can vibrate in different locations. In the throat is one, but it could also vibrate elsewhere. This concept of bone resonance when we're speaking and our bones and our face vibrate and that's why our voice is sounding different when I'm talking to you versus when I'm listening to a recording later. My voice can sound different to me. When it's in my head and I'm inside of me listening, it's, it's bone resonance that's making it sound different. So how do we get an awareness around that? We can start by maybe putting our hands at our throats and feeling that I'm talking with a lot of stuff going on here. But how do you begin to change that? So typically when I work on this with a client, I create more awareness around the back of the throat. And you might think of it as just your mouth. If you inhale through the mouth and way into the back, like when we did that sound, like a whispered ah earlier in the breathing episodes, you'll find that there's sound in the back of the mouth, kind of raspy, but very different than ah in the throat. And just see if you can capture the difference between ah in the throat and Ah, back of the mouth. And it can be any pitch. It can be ah or ha, ah, because I'm phonating now. I'm making sound. If you go back to whispering, ah, you take the pitch factor away. You'll only vibrate at one frequency. Kind of like when you think of white noise. You know, when you make the S sound, it doesn't go up and down in pitch. But when you make the Z sound, because you have phonation, you can change the pitch and go up and down. So we're talking about making the whispered sound from the back of the throat. Now, once you've found that location, you can work that muscle by laughing. And I always tell people to laugh like a crazy person, not a normal laugh. A full belly. Like your belly's shaking, your diaphragm is being used. We talk a lot about diaphragmatic usage, but... The idea is there's there's looseness in the diaphragm. It's moving up and down. Ah, and the sound is coming from the back of the mouth like you're getting ready to sing. And like the airplane is taking off. Ah, back of the mouth versus down in the throat. And see if you can capture the two. 
Can you go down in the throat? Can you go back of the mouth? Can you go back of the mouth? Can you go down in the throat? I think this is a really important turning point. If you can capture the two modalities, you can begin to realize what the difference is. Now, it's one thing to learn to do this and another thing to feel comfortable talking with your new voice. So what I found when I worked with this Hebrew individual that I said I'd come back to is even though he understood this concept and he was able to do what I just showed you, to talk from the back of the mouth and then to learn to do that with all sounds, because then you'll find some sounds go back there more than others and you have to work on that and connect it with vowels and all of that stuff. But before you do any of that, the thought is, how are you going to feel about sounding so different? Now, culturally, there could be some uncomfortableness around it personality-wise, but what I'm really referring to is, do you feel like you're losing something when you give it up? And I've had more than one client, including this Hebrew speaker, tell me that it doesn't feel as strong or as manly in a way. It's like something's being taken away, and it's almost like if I had to talk like this, it can feel like that, even though that's not what's happening. But it can feel like you're losing the strength and credibility, and you're getting this childlike or youthful or girlish voice if you're a man and you don't want to sound girlish, which really isn't happening in terms of American English. So what you might do, again, is record your speech, listen to it, and see what you think. What I found in these cases was when the person listened to the speech, they thought that it sounded fine. But when they were doing it, it felt uncomfortable. And I like to say that's a good problem to have. Because if you like the way it sounds, then you can, in a sense, convince yourself, talk yourself into learning to speak that way because you want to sound more natural when speaking American English and you don't want to get feedback that you sound aggressive or that you're intimidating. However, if you listen to it and you really don't like it, if you like the throaty you in American English, then my suggestion to you is to keep it a little bit longer. Go ahead with it. Keep it. Now, if you say, but my boss doesn't like it and I'm not showing up well in presentations, the problem is you like it. If you like the way you sound, it's going to be really hard to change it. You can't really dupe yourself, fool yourself into changing something. You have to buy in. That's my opinion can't really do it to please someone. You have to do it to please yourself. So there's one thing involved in can you talk yourself into doing something because you know it's right and it's just tricky and hard to do, but you agree you sound better, or you really don't think you sound better, or you don't hear the difference, or you feel uncomfortable doing it. If that's the case, it's going to put you off your game. So I wouldn't do it until you're like, hey, I really don't want to sound throaty anymore. I'm ready to do this. Because it's a lot of work initially. One of the other things my Hebrew client told me, because we went really deep into this and I can still remember it, is his legs would kind of shake and get buzzy when he was doing it. And he's like, whoa, like my legs are on fire. You know, he could really feel them shake and when he spoke th throaty. And then when he let go of it, he would still use the body, like he's using the body to get the sound to go to the back of the mouth, but all the strength goes away. It's like, it, it, in a way, I think it takes less effort in a sense. Although if that effort is automatic for you, it won't feel like effort. It'll feel natural. But when the throatiness goes away, it is like something's been taken from you. And you are using the legs to ground. So there's more leg engagement in that, but the vibrations will be less. I think that's maybe the takeaway. And that's one person's perception. Your perception might be different. Singing is a good way to change this. So if you decide, hey, I'd like to change my throatiness, practicing singing, it's really nice to take the deep throatiness out of your singing and go ah and see how high you can go in your natural volume 
And when we talked about some of the other episodes we I did on pitch control, like when you go up and when you go down, when you do a siren, for example, within your range. So if you take a sound and you try to sound connected like ee, if you're doing that within your range, so you're not doing it too low or too high, what you might try doing is see if you can reach the top of your high point. So if you're really low and throaty and you're going you might try to go Try to go a bit higher and see if you can stay there and play with those higher notes and see if you can get them to come from the back of the mouth. So back to the laughing, as a warm-up, I think it's a great warm-up. The other slight variation to that is the sobbing like a child. If you go, that sound, that kind of a sound, opens up the back of the mouth as well, way back. It is the throat, but it's a different place. It's not resonating deep in the throat. It's opening the back where that whispered awe comes way wide like a microphone in the back. The other thing to think when it comes to speaking loudly, there's a crossover here between not sounding throaty, sounding more open in the, th- in the mouth and throat, and also speaking loudly. It's opening wide in the back. And so if you think of your mouth as a reverse microphone in that your mouth is only so big, it doesn't get bigger, but the back of your throat can be huge. If you open the back of the throat, expand and let the sounds resonate in the back of the mouth and in the throat, yes, but I often call it back of the mouth so as not to confuse it with low and deep and throaty. And if you can start to speak from there and really capture that back of the mouth sound, then you can begin to migrate all the sounds there. And as I mentioned earlier, if you're really deep into this and you're doing this, you want to notice which sounds are the hardest. So for some speakers, it's those vibrating kind of sounds because there's this concept of when do you start the vibration. So in the sound V, in a word like vote, who did you vote for? You could sound sound vibration right away. You could do vote vote which is very strong who did you vote for is a little too strong for american english we don't have such early onset in the vibration we tend to do it a little later so the sound begins as an f and the f is a voiceless equivalent of the v it's a fricative sound with breath and the teeth upper teeth are in touch with the low lip like the word fish that's the f sound I love fish. The V sound is the equivalent of the F. It's the sister sound, I like to call them, that vibrates. So it's the vibrating fricative at the labiodental location. So from a linguistics perspective, lips and teeth, yes. Vibration, yes on a V. So can you make the V like you'd make the F? Long. So think about an F sound like the word finish. Fish how breathy and long it is. And often I use a tissue and have someone, the person I'm working with, take the tissue into layers. So if you get a three-layer tissue and you take it apart, use one layer, see if you can get it to move on the V. Just like it moves on the F. And maybe your F doesn't move. So get the F to move first. And then the V. I love fish. Now why would you start with the F? Because there's no vibration, so you need more breath to make the sound audible. If you're saying fish, fish, there's not enough length in the sound you want to elongate with breath. Fish. 
and then add the V and see if you can elongate the V, but start the vibration a little later. I love fish. Now, how does this concept gel with throaty articulation? Well, if you have throaty articulation, you probably voice early as well. I love fish. Much easier to do when you're down deep in the throat. So you go to the back of the mouth. I love fish. And you let that love fish really have some extra breath. And using the breath can help those sounds to be more native-like. So I've given you some ideas. There's a lot to changing this, but it's about going through all the vowels, all the consonants, all the patterns that we talked about around word stress, elongating syllables, grouping words, keeping the last word longer. It's doing all of that from the back of the mouth. So you're just adding the voice quality of not being such a throaty speaker and being more of a back of the mouth speaker. I hope this was helpful. If you are interested in throatiness or you know someone who throat articulates, Maybe it's you, and you'd like to know more about how to change it or even what it's all about. And if you love it, I encourage you to keep it. It's only if you'd like to change it. This concludes the episode on throaty articulation, and our next episode will explore some other issues and try to go a little deeper in each one.